Maybe you need new clients. Maybe you've been on maternity leave or a career break or a sabbatical. Maybe you're competing with someone out there, someone who's in the market longer than you or has more business than you, and you're tempted to reduce your rates or even do the gig for free. Maybe you've just left the corporate world, so this is completely new to you, and you're looking for your first training clients, not just your new clients, but your very first training clients, because you need the business and you need the money. Maybe a prospective client or a customer says to you, you know what, we can't afford to pay you for this right now, I'm afraid. We can cover expenses, but that's about it. If this works out, we could look at a day rate, and if it leads somewhere, we could do a lot of work together. Have you had that kind of conversation before? I've had. Maybe you've had too. So today's question is, should you ever deliver training for free? Now, I'm not a fan of the words never or ever or never ever, So there might be, and there should be, in fact, there are exceptions or times when working for free is appropriate. And by free, I do not mean completely for free. I mean something where there may not be a monetary charge, but there could be something in return, which requires, of course, clear, competent negotiation skills on our part. So we're going to look today at, one, what delivering for free means for you, what impression it creates potentially in the mind of the audience, and which options you have if you do decide to do something for free. This is episode 72 of the Training Business Podcast. Hey, and welcome to the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Every week, we bring you exciting news and interviews with training business experts and training business entrepreneurs from around the world. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Here's your host, Mark Garrett-Hayes. Hi, my name is Mark Garrett-Hayes, and this is the podcast for training business owners just like you. People out there who run a training business, you might, might be on your own, you could have a team of people, but you are in the business of making money from helping others to be the best they can be. And the premise of this show, today's episode, and every other episode is pretty straightforward. It's to help you to start to grow and to scale your training business. So if you're a coach, a trainer, a freelance trainer, a training consultant, a training business owner, this is the show for you. We have an episode every single Thursday, and I'll give you some more details about where to find episodes every single Thursday towards the end of the program. Now, before the music, I said that um, at some point you more than likely have heard something like, you know, can you work for free? Have you been, maybe you've been asked to work for free. Maybe you've volunteered to work for free because at some point we've all needed the business. We need the money. Someone might expect us to sharply reduce our rates or to charge no rate at all. So you might be asked to deliver a workshop as a test or a once-off to prove your skills and then, or maybe to provide training as a taster. So all of these are pretty common conditions out there where people feel that it's appropriate to ask you for a reduction or complete negation, meaning don't charge anything for the event. So how do you deal with that? So I thought today would be a useful kind of coaching episode where I'm not telling you what to do, but I want you to think about what are the right things for you to do. So we'll start off by asking you a couple of questions. So wherever you are on the train or plane, You might want to listen to this episode right through from beginning to end and then come back to it and with a pen and paper, make some notes for yourself. Entirely up to you. So the first question today is, what does free mean? By what, which I mean, not necessarily free for everyone, but what does free mean to you? 
And here's what I think. When someone asks you to work for free, I mean completely for free, where it's no charge, no expenses, um, there's nothing in return. What they're saying is, I want you to pay, I want you to pay for the privilege of giving me something of value to me or my organization or my people, my business, but I'm unwilling to reward you with something of value to you. Think about that. I want to pay, I want you to pay for the privilege of giving me something of value to me, my organization, my business, but I'm unwilling to reward you with something of value to you. So when you are offering to work for free or when you agree to work for free based upon someone's request that you do so, you are saying, I don't value myself and maybe you shouldn't value my training, my expertise or me either. That's kind of harsh, isn't it? Question number two, ask yourself, would someone do this work for free if it wasn't me? Would someone do this work for free if it wasn't me? That's a good question. Would someone, your competitor, someone offering this training who had full confidence in their ability and were professional, would they do that work for free? Is this how professionals work? Would a professional who viewed the other person, the the service provider, as a professional ever ask that professional service provider to do their work for free? I think you know the answer to that question. And that gives rise to question number three. Why do people ask us as trainers, as coaches, as freelance training consultants, as learning and development or organizational consultants to do things like this for free, to deliver sales training for free or onboarding training for free or leadership training for free or IT training for free. How did we ever get to the point where this is even on the table? Did you, in a moment of desperation, propose that you work for free? You might have. Or more worryingly, did you unconsciously give off signals which encouraged someone to attempt to try this on with you? What could those kinds of things be? Maybe you, in the course of a conversation, in the case of approaching an organization, lacked a clear sales process which sent out some signals. In other words, this is not something I'm confident in. Maybe you didn't sound confident. Maybe um, your website or your materials, your email were amateurish. They came across as kind of, you know, unpracticed, uh, just a bit, you know, weak or, or amateurish. Maybe you'd no references, no referrals. You come in or you came in the front door by knocking on the door as opposed to someone showing you in the door by virtue of a reference or a referral. Maybe you sound and look needy. And these are all the kinds of conditions which sometimes give rise to people thinking that it's okay to ask you for a lower rate, below the market rate, below the competition's rate, or sometimes even no rate. Ouch. So let's say that you agree to work for free. Let's say you do that. And I've done that in the past for a variety of reasons. Sometimes I really wish I had not. And other times it was the opening to something bigger. Very hard to predict that though. So let's just say that you have agreed to work for free. And I'm not judging you here. You are stating that you are prepared to provide a chargeable service at a loss to you and a profit to someone else. Again, think about that. You're effectively saying that you are 
prepared to provide a chargeable service, chargeable under other circumstances, under professional circumstances, at a loss to you and a profit to someone else. So question four, what impression does this create? I gave this some thought. I've come up with a number of impressions that pop into my mind, seven in total. So let's list them. The first impression that working completely for free, and I and I say completely for free because by that I mean that you're not willing to ask for something in return. It does not have to be monetary, but it could be something of value to you which helps you to promote your business or some kind of uh, publicity or some kind of um, other arrangement. We'll come to all that in a moment. But just for now, bear with me. Thinking of the definition of working for free, that's where you agree to provide a chargeable service at a loss to you and a profit to someone else. So if you agree to do this, which conditions or impressions are you inadvertently creating? Number one, you don't have a business. You don't have a business. That's the first impression because a business makes a profit. So in your audience's mind, in the buyer's mind, you're creating a question. And the question is, why are you wasting your own time? Impression number two this creates is that you don't value yourself, your time and your knowledge. And the question that that causes or creates in the buyer's mind is, well, why should I value them either? Why should I value your time, your knowledge and you if you don't value them yourself by putting a price on them and charging me that price for them? Impression number three, you must be new to this and I'm one of your first clients, this could be risky. And the question that gives rise to in the buyer's mind is, why should I take this risk with you? Why should I take this risk with you? Why should I risk my professional reputation, my reputation in the business, by taking a risk on someone who is untried, untested, and perhaps someone who will screw this thing up? And just by asking or offering to do something completely for free, you are unconsciously creating this doubt in someone's mind. Impression number four, you are unprofessional. Why? Because professionals charge for their professional expertise. And the question that creates in the buyer's mind is, well, if you're unprofessional, why am I taking this meeting or this phone call with you? Yeah. Number five, impression number five, you or your material or both must not be any good because if they were good, they would be valuable. Valuable would have a price attached. The price would be the one you're charging me. And the question that creates in the buyer's mind is, why are you not charging me? This is strange. Impression number six, you are actually making your competition look better than you. And the question that creates in the buyer's mind is, I wonder who else is out there that I should be speaking to other than you, besides you. Impression number seven, you must need this more than I need you. Therefore, my negotiating position is stronger than yours. And the question that creates in the prospective buyer's mind is, I wonder what else I can get from you for free. I wonder what you think of those impressions that I've just listed for you. You don't have a business. You don't value yourself, your time, your knowledge. You must be new to this. You are unprofessional. You or your material or both must not be any good. You're actually helping to make your competition look better than you. And you must need this more than I need you. Wow, very powerful impressions 
perhaps unintended impressions, but impressions nonetheless, which you've helped to create in the buyer's mind. So question number five today is, on that basis, what is the consequence of working for free? Let's look at that for a moment. If you do work for free where you're not getting anything in return, monetary or non-monetary, things like publicity, promotion, introductions, here's what's happening. One, you're incurring an opportunity cost right out of the bat. You're instantly incurring an opportunity cost. What does opportunity cost mean? It means that you have consciously decided to forego paid work for the sake of unpaid work. Now, there are times when this in the past has worked for me where I've uh, agreed to do something, but I think that by 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 virtue of being where I am and speaking to the people who are in the room, this will lead to something else. But on several occasions, it hasn't worked, and I've wondered why I've actually bothered my time or bothered to do it at all. So you have to really use your judgment to make up your mind. I'm not telling you what to do, when to do it, but to decide is this actually an opportunity cost to me? Am I foregoing paid work for the sake of unpaid work? Will this actually work out? The second consequence is that you potentially damage your reputation. Why? Because you have created a precedence. Let's say you're trying to get in the door of an organization and you begin by providing your very first work for free. Now, what does that do? Well, guess what? Uh, thinking of the work of Dr. Robert Cialdini, who wrote a fantastic book on the psychology of persuasion called, funnily enough, The Psychology of Persuasion, back in the 80s, one of his principles is the principle of consistency. And that means that when you perform or behave in a particular way, people can legitimately point to that past behavior and therefore influence your current behavior. So let's say to make this uh, real and tangible, if I have done work in the past for free and now want to charge for that work for free, someone could quite rightfully say, well, actually you've done this work for free in the past. Why are you charging for us now? And that's a very hard thing to counter as an argument because it's true. I have created a condition which now comes back to bite me on the you-know-where. So think about that. What is the long-term consequence of agreeing to do something for free where the conditions are completely lopsided and the other person's getting all the benefit and you're not getting any. The third consequence is that you endanger your ability to charge this client or any other client the full price for your services in future under any circumstance. So, and you are incurring an opportunity cost, you're potentially damaging your reputation, weakening it, and you're causing people to you know, really haggle in the future when it comes to a time when you want to charge the full price or increase your price for services or the provision of services. So if you think that people want free, cheap, low-cost training, I'm here to say or tell you they actually don't. What people who make training decisions or buying decisions for training services actually want are the following. Number one, they want results. Number two, they want to feel they're in the hands of an experienced professional who can and will provide those results. And number three, they want to pay a price which convinces them they are in the hands of an experienced professional who can provide the results. So one more time. One, they want the results. Number two, they want to feel they're in the hands of an experienced professional who can and will provide the results. And number three, they actually want to pay the price, pay the price, 
which convinces them they're in the hands of an experienced professional who can and will provide the results. Okay? Just think about that. This is what it means to attach a price to what you do. You're giving someone results, giving someone the reassurance they're in the hands of a professional who can do it. And number three, you're actually satisfying them and causing them to feel relief by feeling, you know what, I'm glad you're charging me this money because this is confirmation that I must be in the hands of the right person. So coming to the kind of last part today, which is question number six, when is it okay or acceptable to perform training work, consultancy work, coaching work for free? Well, I've come up with a list again of of seven things and these are not definitive. This is by no means an exhaustive list. You might be sitting in the car or wherever you are right now thinking, I don't agree with all of those. That's okay. That's okay. I've come up with a kind of a list of seven things which I think we could agree or might even discuss are things or conditions or contexts or situations or reasons when it could be argued that it's acceptable to work for free. And I attach conditions to all of them. Okay. So one more time, when I say work for free, I mean when you're working for nothing in return for the value that you give. For free does not necessarily mean that um, there is a problem by not charging money. If you feel or if the conditions are right that there is a payoff in the form of publicity or introductions or exposure, etc., and you feel those are conditions which justify not attaching a monetary price tag to what you do, and keep in mind that price does not is not always expressed in terms of money or cash. Uh, price could be in terms of commitment. But let's just say for now, arguably, that when you and I hear the words work for free, that is taken to meant uh, nothing in return. And I do not advocate under any circumstances that you ever go into a training contract where every, everything's lopsided and everything's in their favor and not in yours. It is okay sometimes to charge nothing monetarily for delivery as long as there is an equal or acceptable benefit or payoff to you in other ways. We'll come to those right now. So here are the reasons when one could arguably suggest it's acceptable to work for free, inverted commas, free, okay? One, you owe someone a favor which can be repaid only by delivering what you do professionally. And I'm thinking of a time when two years ago, I screwed up in my training and removed a training event from my calendar stupidly. And I was in London beginning training about quarter to 10, roughly in the morning. And I received a phone call um, and I could see the person called. I ignored it. They called back a second time. I ignored it. They called a third time and I thought there's something wrong. So I left, excused myself, I went out of the room, which I don't like doing because it just, again, doesn't look good, but I thought there's some kind of emergency here. And it transpired that um, they wondered where I was. They being the other people, the the training um the consultancy with which I do some work or did some work, still do work in fact. But they said, where are you? And I said, what do you mean? And they said, um, everyone's here. And I, saw, and I began to think, I do not believe this. I hope I don't think this is what it, I think it means. And I had somehow screwed up, removed training from the calendar, forgot that I had agreed to it and replaced it with something else. So lo and behold, there were 12 people waiting for training and I was not there because there was no trainer to deliver it. You can imagine how excruciatingly embarrassing 
that is. It's happened twice in my entire training career, and it's something I do not wish you ever go through. It is a horrible feeling. So the only thing I could do, understandably, was to say, look, mea culpa, my fault. There's no excuse for this. Uh, here is what we'll do now. The last thing you want to do in a situation like this is to kind of prevaricate. Um, it's more about the relationship than the money. So I said, look, the, the next training event is scheduled for this day. That's on me. I will do it for free. Uh, any expenses I incur, I will cover those too. Because I had to do something to to save the relationship. So if there is something of that kind of magnitude where you owe a favor and it can only be repaid by the delivery of what you do professionally, I think that's a legitimate reason to work inverted commas for free. Um, context or reason or situation number two, if you want to help out a friend, brother, sister, family member, and it's it's hard to say no to close friends and to family members if they need you to help them out for whatever reason. It could be to help them to make a great impression with their employer, etc. But please be very careful that family and friends do not become freeloaders. Freelancing does not mean freeloading. So if you are going to say yes to people who are close to you, you want to attach um, yeah strong conditions to that about how often you can do it, when you can do it, etc. It cannot be a situation where you forego paid work just to keep a smile on someone else's face. That is not business. That is something else entirely. Okay, number three, situation number three. When you decide to support a cause which you feel is close to your heart, and in doing so, you believe it's appropriate to deliver training or some kind of expertise, consultancy, as a kind of a one-off. And I do underline the word one-off because I've done this twice for a charity and they kept knocking on the door year after year. So at some point, the hand that feeds will be the hand that bleeds and I hope it's not yours. So if you keep on giving things for free, you're setting in uh, practice or uh, into um, existence a kind of a train of, of behavior where people keep thinking that you are the person that will always provide and it doesn't go away until you actually have to make it go away. So if you are going to support a cause and doing so by delivery of your professional training and expertise, be careful again about the conditions under which you do it and how often you do it. Context or situation number four, when is it acceptable to work for free? Well, when you can attach a ton of preconditions such as I will deliver this, but I want this will only be for a morning or it'll only be for half a day, not for a full day or two days. Uh, I want testimonials from it, from the people who come. I want those in writing. I want video footage of this. I'm going to bring along a videographer or and a photographer who will take footage of that. I want the intellectual property to those uh, pieces of footage or photographs and the right to use those for my publicity. I want to use it for publicity shots. I want to use shots of the building, etc. So what you're doing here is you're saying, I'm bartering with you. I will deliver the training, but I want it to be in such a way that I get something from it, which can help me to promote my business for paying clients. And I think that's pretty fair. And that's something I've done as well. And some guy I spoke to even last week said that's exactly what works for him very well. He now and again, now and again, twice a year or more, will approach an organization, deliver something for them. But what he gets then are great photographs, great video footage. So it could be a local, um, could be a local chamber of commerce, um, some kind of uh, maybe a Seroptimists or Rotary Club organization, and you deliver 
training for free, but what you get, so it's not quite really for free, is you get video footage of the event, uh, publicity, maybe some kind of video testimonials, uh, some kind of shots, etc., etc. So it's not completely for free because you are getting something valuable in return. Okay, um, condition number five, when you can get unique, massive public exposure in return for training. So it could be a radio interview in which you deliver some kind of, I don't know, a couple of points in the form of training in the course of a radio interview. And I've done that once. Um, it could be a TV interview. I've not yet done that. I know people who have though, and they say it's really uh, valuable. So you're not going to charge for that TV interview or that radio interview because it benefits you. Or it could be a podcast interview. So people who come on my podcast are not paid to do so. And likewise, I don't pay them to come on the podcast. So there are acceptable forms of public exposure, like the ones I've mentioned, radio, TV, podcasts, when you get unique, massive public exposure. And what you do is you get to reuse this uh, publicity in terms of your promotion. And people have said to me, can I, I'll come on the show, but can I actually have the podcast file and can I promote this on my own website? And I say, absolutely no fine, no problem with that. So as long as there's some kind of barter, equal exchange, then I think it's okay to uh, meet condition number five by agreeing to go on radio, TV, podcasts, etc., uh, for free. Situation or context number six, when you can get unique, deep internal exposure. So number five was unique, massive public exposure. Number six is this one. When you can get unique, deep internal exposure, what that means is you could use this particular training event or talk as leverage to say, I will do this as long as I can get an interview or a meeting with, I don't know, the head of marketing or the CIO or the CEO or the owner of the business, because the benefit of that meeting to you is perhaps, perhaps, perhaps greater than the monetary charge of just sending in an invoice and getting the money back. So you may feel that if you can argue or wangle, as we say over here, if you can wangle or get some kind of agreement to a meeting, an introduction to key people, and it has to be in writing, by the way, words often aren't enough because people make excuses or prevaricate or delay or deny they ever agree to something like that. I'm speaking from exposure or experience here. You want to ensure that anything like that, like a promise to an introduction or for an introduction is actually something which is kept in writing. You actually have it and they follow up on that. Number seven, situation number seven, when it's part of a larger piece of work and you have a deposit for the rest in other words, you have money in the bank. What do I mean? Let's say that you are part of a team or you're training an organization and someone says, can you do X for free? Well, you could say, look, tell you what, um, why don't we sit down and roadmap? Uh, the definition of roadmapping, in case you're wondering what that means, is you actually have a detailed conversation with the prospect, not just focus on the delivery of training, but understanding the business and why the training will help them to meet their business objectives. Why is that useful to you as a training provider? Because you could then say, actually, I've just thought about this and I realized that you could also benefit from this training in this part of the business and here's why, and this part of the business and here's why. And you come away with a larger piece of work than the initial training which they uh, were looking to commission from you. So roadmapping is the process of exploring co-actively 
what the client needs, why they need that particular thing, and uncovering needs which can be solved uh, professionally and profitably by you in their business. So if you feel that uh, there is larger a larger piece of work here, and you could say, look, I can do the, the first part, we'll waive the charge for that, as long as you put a deposit today in my account so you're committed to the next part of the training uh, program, I think that's okay. So you're waiving your fee for one part, but the payoff for you is that you have commitment, viable monetary commitment for the rest of the training. So all kinds of context today, as I've just given you seven of them, where it could be acceptable to work for free. And I have to say one more time, free does not mean completely lopsided. When I say free, it could be interpreted to mean no monetary charge, but that's okay. As long as you feel that the exposure, the introductions, the benefit, the exchange is equitable. It could be publicity or any of the things I've mentioned just now. Professionals can, remember, get all of these things and still get paid a good price. So let me ask you, final question today, thinking of all of this, do you still want to deliver training for free? Think about that. Okay, it's been wonderful having you out there today, knowing you are listening wherever you could be, whichever country you're in the world right now, because I see podcast hits every single week through Um, my podcast app and and realize we've listeners from multiple countries. So it's delightful to know you're out there. I'd love to hear from you. If you feel there are particular topics which can be helpful to you, my email address is mark at trainingbusiness.com. So any requests for topics, or if you'd like to share a story or get me to maybe come up with a solution to a particular conundrum, a problem, a challenge that you have right now in your training business, I would love to do that. And the benefit is that I can share this with the audience, people like you and I out there, our peers in the training business. And it also helps me to understand what kinds of guests, which guests to have on the show, because there are plenty of people out there who want to help you with your training business journey. And we've had quite a few fantastic names in the last couple of months on the show, including Marshall Goldsmith, arguably the best known coach in the world. We've had Neil Patel. um, We've had Ken Blanchard, uh, Jeb Blunt, lots of people out there. And we have more lined up. So if you'd like particular guests on the show or if there are particular topics you would like me and the team to address, I'd love to help you with those. You can check out the podcast, as always, every single Thursday on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, on Spotify. And we're also on social media, on Twitter, on Facebook and Instagram. So that's a great place to check us out and to join the conversation. Until next Thursday, when we have episode 74 Have a great training business week. Bye for now. Thanks once more for listening to this episode of the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Go to trainingbusiness.com and subscribe right now to be notified of great competitions, upcoming VIP episodes, and amazing special offers to help you succeed in your training business. See you next time.